Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. Would you join me in prayer here as we we open the word together? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence. God, for your goodness in our lives. Lord, for the testimony of your faithfulness. Lord, even as Andrew shared during worship, your faithfulness, Lord, to bring deliverance. Lord, to to lead through waters that are, are higher than us and are overflowing us, God, that you lift up that standard and we we hearken to it. We 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 fix our eyes on things above, not on things below. We look to who you are and what you say, and God, it leads us to a place higher than ourselves. It draws us up out of circumstance, and we're so grateful, God, that you never leave us in our pain. God, you're worthy. Thank you, Lord, for that testimony. It just it set the atmosphere of expectation that you are at work in the midst of us today. Lord, I thank you that each one, each one that was stirred, God, that you're doing a work in them. And so, Lord, we just say yes and amen to it. Come on, would you put a hand on your own heart right now and just invite him, Lord, come and have your way in me. Have your way in me, God. Lord, what you're stirring up on our insides, God, it, let it break forth. And let, it be, let it find a release, Lord God. Let it find the path that, that's, that is meant to flow through, Lord, this morning. I thank you, God, that that momentum that's on the inside would pour forth through our lives and bring breakthrough, God. I thank you for that. And so, Lord, I bless our time together. Call it fruitful. Lord, give me utterance that I could communicate clearly what... what uh, God, what you have me to communicate, and uh, that you open our eyes to your word. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And if you agreed with that, you said, amen. 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 Come on. I have an hour and a half sermon that I'm going to pack into 15 minutes, so it's fine. (laughs) Stranger miracles have happened. But that would be a pretty good one, wouldn't it? Yeah. I preach the eternal gospel. And sometimes you tell me with your face, Pastor Jamie, you're preaching the eternal gospel right now and you need to uh, stop. There you go. I want, I, want to, uh, I want to encourage you today that God is with you on your plan, that he's with you in the midst of, of the, the plan of life, that he's on your journey with you, that you're not alone in your process. Sometimes we feel alone in our process. Sometimes circumstances communicate to us that, hey, we don't know what we're doing. Have you ever had a circumstance tell you, you don't know what you're doing? God told you to do something, and then you tried to do it, and it didn't work. Anybody done that one? You tried to be obedient, but the result was not great. The results came back in, and you were left wanting. Has anybody experienced that? Yes? If you, if you haven't failed, you haven't tried. God has marked each one of our lives with purpose. And that purpose will not change. 
and the Lord will not change his mind about you. It's kind of important to realize because even if you fail, he's going to keep talking to you about the thing he wants you to do. We have this term, it's, it, uh, it, we refer to it as a calling. So if I said to you, hey, what's your calling? What I'm talking about is your purpose. What is God calling you to? What's the purpose that he designed you for? And every one of us has a purpose. Would you look at your neighbor right now and say, you have a purpose. God doesn't make junk. He didn't mess up when he made you. He's given you a calling. A calling is much like an ocean beacon. You ever seen one of those like, uh, like uh, uh, the buoy out in the middle of the ocean and it's got a little flashing light on it and you know, it, it doesn't mark anything except for the location in the ocean and if you're a vessel and you are traveling from point A to point B, those kind of beacons are helpful. You can see where you're at on the journey. Like a beacon out in the middle of the ocean, your calling is saying, hey, this direction. It goes beep, beep, and it's calling to you. And so you're on your journey, and you're navigating, and you've, you are saying yes to God. You're saying yes to his purposes. And you might get turned around. The waves might flip you over. You might get messed up. You might feel like you're going to shipwreck. You might feel like you're not making progress. You might have some storms that come upon your life. But the calling is going to continue to sound and going to continue to pull you towards God's purpose in your life. And even if you mess up, even if you screw up, even if you get shipwrecked and tossed here and there, you need to know that the Lord does not repent about your calling. The gift and the call is without repentance. It means he will not change his mind about you. He said, this is who you are. This is what I've made you for. And then he does not change his mind. That is so comforting because you're going to mess it up. Nobody gets it perfect the first time. And in fact, I want to encourage you even further and say to you that when God anoints you, when he marks your life and he gives you purpose, that not only are you not going to get it right the first time, you're going to have all hell break out against you. Isn't that encouraging? So fun. It's, it's not only not going to just not work easily, you're going to have to overcome some things. The people you care most about might reject the very thing that God's called you to when you got saved. Anybody get, get gloriously saved out, like out of darkness, like where your family didn't know Jesus and you became the first person to know Jesus in your family? Is there anybody in here like that? Oh, man. You guys, you're pioneering. You, you are the first fruits of the family coming to know the Lord completely. You... You're breaking ground. But if you got gloriously saved and then you went back into that family that you love and you care deeply about, when you shared with them, Jesus is my Savior, he's done all this stuff, did they accept it immediately? Or perhaps did some of them say, he's lost his mind? 
Maybe it went further. Maybe they accused you of wrongdoing. Maybe they said this isn't good even. When God marks your life, when the word comes to you, when the purpose comes to you, the scripture talks about the persecution that arises for the sake of the word. That the obstacle that presents itself is a part of confirming, affirming, and giving you purpose. That there's purpose in the obstacle, there's purpose in the resistance. What I'm here to tell you today is that when resistance comes, you should not run from it. You need to persevere. When resistance comes to what God has called you to, you cannot relent. You must overcome. You must push through the resistance because on the other side of it, is a significant impact that the world needs. Now, I'm, I'm saying these things to you, and some people in here will be lighting up on the inside, and others are not quite there yet. I want to I share with you uh, uh, the scripture, the experience that Jesus had when he first got anointed, when he first was touched by the Holy Spirit. This is Luke 4, 14. We'll do this real quick. Luke 4. Verse 14, Jesus is coming out of the wilderness. He's been tempted by the devil. And as he's coming out, the scripture says that he is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Returning to Galilee, the power of the Holy Spirit was upon him. And news spread throughout the surrounding district. And Jesus began to teach in synagogues. And everyone was praising him. So it's working. Everybody's excited about what Jesus is doing. That's awesome. All right? It's good when people are happy with what you're doing. Right? It's a good experience. Warm, fuzzy. It's awesome. He came to Nazareth, which was his hometown, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered into the synagogue. And on the Sabbath, he stood to read And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed free, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. If you know that scripture, the book of Isaiah, you'll know that the next verse that is right after what Jesus read is, and the day of judgment of our God, the day of God's vengeance. I want you to notice something, that the anointing that marked Jesus's life was for good news, for opening blind eyes, was for releasing people out of oppression, was for setting people free, and for decreeing God's favor over their life. All of those things lead to reconciliation with God, restoration to the planet, restoration to what's been lost and been broken. And notice where Jesus stops the sentence. He could have declared, and the day of vengeance of our God, but he did not. He stopped. Why? Because it's not that season yet. 
Because right now in the kingdom, the Lord is restoring and bringing mercy and causing reconciliation to a planet that is lost and in pain and broken. And the name of the Lord's judgment has not been given for man to call upon yet. It's a name that's written on his thigh. It's a name that only the Father knows. And that name has not been given to humanity to call upon the name of the Lord in judgment. Why? Because it's not that time. Jesus' ministry and the anointing that marked his life was to restore broken people and heal them, give mercy to them. People in needing deliverance and in pain and sickness and disease, he wanted to heal them. And where did he go? He went to his hometown. Why? Because he wanted the people that he loved to experience that. But he shows up in Nazareth and he announces it. He goes, hey, all this stuff can happen here to you. I know you need it, but something takes place. He closes the book. He begins, he hands the book to the attendant and he sits down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled. And all were speaking of him well and wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. And then they said, wait, isn't that Joseph's boy? Isn't that the bastard son of Joseph? Out of wedlock. We know Mary. We know his brothers. Wait a second. He's telling us that he's here as the Messiah to liberate our society and to heal our people. But we know him. We know his backstory. We know where he's from. We know that story. And in that moment where familiarity set in, they took offense at the very gift that God was trying to give them. And they shut the door to receive what would have healed them and restored them and caused their, their city to be blessed. Jesus was wanting to do benefit and help and cause the people that he loved to come into restoration and healing. And in that same moment, they shut the door and were unwilling to receive. You know, I've had this happen to me many times, and maybe you have too. I have teenagers. Anybody got teenagers? A few of us? Okay, I love my kids. I love teenagers. I think they're awesome. Okay? I think that you guys are on fire. I think that you are God's answer to society's problems. I think that all is not lost because of what God's doing in your generation because there are solutions released in you that we've caused problems for. All right? Like, I believe it. I believe that God's calling is on the next generation. I love it. I'm for them. I'm, but not always do they make great decisions. I'm a professional, I, like outside of pastoring, I love to coach and work with people. I really enjoy it. The group of people that I find kind of uh, um, the ability to speak into happen to be like business owners and pastors, that, that kind of executive level thinking that affects organizations. I love it. I love speaking to it. And frankly, I'm kind of good at it. Not to toot my own horn, but all right. I'm pretty good at it. 
And so with my kids, I'll sit down with them and I'll like work through their issues and I'll try to help them to see vision and plan and make, you know, make a, make a very clear and articulate the, the, the plan that they're going to execute and their goals and all this stuff. And we, I, we, we do a homeschooling uh, at our house and I actually take them every year. I take them through a course of study that helps them to figure out who God's made them to be and make a plan for it. And then I hold them accountable to it. And it's like awesome. I think it's awesome. Okay? Right? Like, like in the professional world, like, I feel like my kids owe me. I'll pour all this stuff out to them, but for some reason, it's not received with the level of honor that it would be received in, like, the business world or with somebody that is, you get it, yeah? Okay. But then my kids will just go over to somebody's house and they'll be hanging out with their friends and someone will throw on some like stupid TikTok video with the like sidewalk prophet guy who's going to give you just the two seconds of like wisdom from whatever and, and, and they'll hear it and they'll come home as if they had an encounter with God. <laughs> and the Lord has made clear the path of success. And it'll have been like one side point of the lesson that I taught them the week before, okay? But they couldn't hear it from me. Why? Because of the familiarity. Because, because in our connectedness as parent-child, when the good that I could bring them as, from that prophetic perspective and speaking in their lives, if it's not received like that, they won't be able to be benefited from, okay? And this happens to all of us. You, there's good that you want to do in someone's life and God has anointed you for it and he wants to use you powerfully, but the context prevents you from doing the good that God wants to do. That choice of honor and value opens or shuts the door. It is made exponentially worse by something that we call offense. Because when you take offense to someone giving you input, it, it's not just a neutral experience, it's something to defend against. And so if you give me input, but I'm offended by you, then I will begin this positioning of my heart to protect myself from you. And it's what we see happen with the people in Nazareth. It says, verse 23, he, he said to them, listen, no doubt you're going to say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. What we heard you do in Capernaum, which you should do in our hometown. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. I say to you the truth. There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the skies were shut for three years and six months, and there was a great famine that came over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them. But he went to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Lots of people starving to death in Israel, and Elijah was able to provide, but the people couldn't receive, and so he had to go outside of Israel. It's offensive to think about. 
There were many lepers in the nation of Israel. People with leprosy, a disease, terrible disease. During the time of Elisha. And none of them were cleansed. But only Naaman, the Syrian general. And when the people in the synagogue heard these things, they were filled with rage. Triggered. We are in a world that is triggered right now. They're unable to receive what you have to say because of that trigger point. The world is defensive against the message of Christ because it feels like you're attacking their truth. There's something here in the spirit that needs to be taken down. There's something here. And I want to tell you today, it's the anointing of God that breaks that stuff off of people. Look at what happens to Jesus. He says these things to the people. They're filled with rage. And so they took him, drove him out of the city, led him up onto the brow of a hill, which was at the edge of their city, to throw him down the cliff. They were going to kill him. And he was the man who had a solution to fix their problems. The very next experience is Jesus leaving Nazareth. By the way, he just, it's such an interesting thing because that precipice that they were going to throw him off of, I've been there. We've, we've been to that place where Jesus would have been tossed down. And it's a long walk from the city of Nazareth. You have to walk up a long winding hill. You have to actually, and so Jesus just walked along with them. They're like intending to kill him and he's just is taking the stroll up the hill with them. And he gets all the way to the very edge and he doesn't turn around and leave them until the very end which tells you he was hoping that something would change in their hearts. Like he was, he was in it with them to make sure that they got what he had to offer and he was willing to go all the way. And at the very edge, they're gonna kill him. He just turns around, he walks right through them, which tells you like he could have left you a long time ago, but he's not going to, right? He's sticking with you. Immediately after Nazareth, it says that the ministry in Capernaum explodes. He goes right down the street to, the, to Capernaum, and when he does the same things that he was doing in Nazareth, the exact same things, people are being healed, lepers are being cleansed, demonized people are being delivered, dead people are being raised, the crowds cannot get enough of him. The ministry explodes in that place. There's such favor, he plants there. He stays, he finds disciples that are from Capernaum. He starts to partner with the people and it becomes a base of operations. And it's right down the street from the city he grew up in. What does that tell you? In Nazareth, did his anointing not work? Nope. The people, the setting, the willingness to receive is what shut it down. And yet, two streets later, when he walks down into another city and he does the exact same thing, it explodes with fruitfulness. I want to tell you today that if at first you don't succeed, you should try, try again. 
that God made you with purpose and he marked you and that it doesn't relent and that you should keep going even if you fail, even if people reject you, even if it doesn't work, that you should keep going. Because one town later, the ministry explodes. And had Jesus just taken the reflection of working among his hometown with the people he knew and loved, if he just took that as whether he was going to succeed in ministry or not or succeed in business or not, he would have had no idea. Are you alive this morning? Here's the truth. I'll give it to you straight. Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. Let's put it up on the screen. Verse 1, arise and shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God's goodness is upon you. Behold, darkness covers the earth. Deep darkness, or in ignorance, the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. And nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising because you're anointed for this purpose. And you might not right now be in the right setting. I've said this many times and it's something that's bare, it's worth repeating over and over, especially in church. Look around real quick. Just look at the people up and on your road. Just, yeah, hey, look at you. You're awesome. I can see you there. Awesome. There you go. Okay, you see all them people? All those people are filled with light. If you know Jesus, you're filled with light. You're the light of heaven in you. And while you're sitting in this context, the light is a little bit more difficult to distinguish from other lights. But if I took each one of you and I brought you into a context of utter darkness, and I had you do the very same things you do here on a Sunday morning. Just encourage people, love on people, give somebody a hug, pray for somebody. In this context, it's kind of hard to see the difference. We're like in a, we are just encompassed in light. It's a sanctuary filled with people full of light. So to stand out here is a little more difficult to see the differences in people's lights. But if I take you into a place that doesn't have hope, when I tell you the name of Jesus has, has made you and covered your life and you are his temple and his Holy Spirit dwells within you, if we go to a place where that does not exist and you begin to offer the very same things that you do in this place, in that place, it explodes with light. The context changes everything. The context changes everything. Jesus goes back to Nazareth. It's a little bit later in his ministry. He goes back to Nazareth. Same situation happens. He starts healing people. He's speaking gracious words. And then the people realize, hey, wait a second. Aren't you Mary's boy? Aren't your brothers right there? And they took offense at him. And immediately, it shuts down the anointing again, the mark of God to do the good stuff. It shuts it down. And look at what it says. Verse, Mark 6, verse 1. Jesus came to his hometown. The disciples followed him. And when it became Sabbath, he taught in their synagogue. And there were many listeners that were astonished. Where did this man get these things? What wisdom has been given to him? Such miracles were performed. Wait, 
Isn't he a carpenter? Son of Mary, brothers James, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor, except in his hometown, among his relatives. And he could do no miracle there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. And then he kept going to villages. <laughs> right after this moment, it says Jesus called the 12 to himself, commissioned them, and sent them out to do the exact same ministry that he had been anointed to do. The ministry multiplies right after he's rejected. The ministry multiplies right after he's rejected. He goes to Nazareth the first time. He's rejected by his family. He wants his family to know, to understand. He wants them. He doesn't want them to be offended. He tries to explain it to them. Listen, this is what's going on. Have you ever tried to explain to your family the spiritual stuff? And they're like, you're a lunatic. He tries to explain it to them. This is what's happening. And, and they get mad at him and rage at him. And they try to kill him. Listen, if people try to kill you because they're so offended at you, you should maybe go to a different city. <laughs> and so Jesus takes the, the, the show on, down the road and he goes to Capernaum and the ministry explodes. He gets some disciples. A little bit later, he goes back to Nazareth, to his hometown. Why? Because he doesn't want his family to go to hell. He wants the people he loves to know him. And he goes back. At least this time they're not trying to kill him. Like improvement. But they still reject him. And he says to them, like he marvels at their unbelief. He could lay hands on some people. There was some personal ministry, the effect of personal interactions. But the corporate thing, Nazareth could have been a blessing in the earth. Everything could have changed. But the heart connect, they just shut it down. They were unwilling to receive the familiarity and the offense. Can I tell you that God will take solutions and he will hide them inside of people you do not like. He will bless somebody. I mean, this is what happened. Elijah ends up in a city where God totally feeds what Israel thought of as the enemy. A person with no value, the widow, foreign country, they have no value. God feeds them and provides a solution. Elisha cures an enemy general. This is offensive. God gives the solution to someone you don't like. And our hearts have the opportunity to choose to honor and to value and to open up and to recognize, willing to receive from something that's different, willing to receive from people that you don't appreciate. Why would God do that? Because he's trying to bring healing. He is trying to unite people. He's, he's working at reconciliation. He loves you so much. He's gonna release the solution, but you're gonna have to humble yourself and receive. He could do no miracle except for lay his hands on a few people, verse 5. And he wondered at their unbelief. 
And then he was going around to the villages teaching, and he summoned the twelve, and he began to send them out in pairs. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits and instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money, no belt, but to wear sandals. That's good. Wear your shoes. And he added to them, don't put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet as a testimony against them. Listen, if someone doesn't receive, don't stick around trying to force them and make them and just move on. The anointing on your life is solutionary, and God has created you to make a big impact. And if you end up in this place that, that there's not room for the gift, don't freak out and be offended at them and rage at them and try to divide whatever it is and force your way. Knock that stuff off. Move on and display the gift. At the house, we often have this exchange, and I, I'll make this as clear as I can be. This community of people are powerful and awesome people. And the experience of us gathering together, the purpose is to encourage us, right? To cause us to be on the same journey and God's doing a work among us. But there is no room. Let me say this again. Your gift is created to cause light in darkness. And so sometimes people are like, Pastor Jamie, I want to do my ministry, and I would like to do it inside the house. And you get frustrated when I tell you that it ain't for here. It's for out there. When we bump into those resistant points, don't get offended because we didn't recognize the gift. Drink deep of the well and move forward and plant the thing and make it happen in the world that desperately needs the outcome. Your ministry, the, what God has put on the inside of you, has explosive power in the world. So let me just summarize this stuff up and we'll say amen to it. Would you jump to your feet here? I want you to put a hand on your own heart and, and just hear, hear with your, the ears of your heart this morning. God has marked your life. He anointed you. He marked you. He is going to use your life to advance his purposes and his kingdom. Your first step is to find out what he created you for. Ask the question. It seems so simple, but just ask him the question. God, what did you purpose my life for? He created you with purpose. Ask him. He's your father. 
find out. You'd be amazed how many people are trying to find purpose in in the church or in their family or in their work. No, stop. Just ask him, God, what did you make me for? And when you hear him talk to you about it, you'll realize that he's been calling you to that purpose your whole life. Second, as you're figuring things out, do not be discouraged by an environment that gets offended at what you're anointed for. You were made (laughs) to be an offense and cause something to change. If you look up here real quick, you'll notice I have a facial piercing. Anybody not like that? That's fine. (laughs) You should hear the story. This, I've had many people come to me and say, Pastor Jamie, we we were going to attend the church, and then we saw that you had a facial piercing, and then we're like, ah, it's probably not the church for us, and we're going to move on. But then the Holy Spirit came back and said, no, you really should go, and so then they did, and they're really glad, okay? That might be your story. Did you know that I didn't want this either. And at one point, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to go get a facial piercing. I said, gross, Lord, I don't want that. And he wouldn't leave me alone about it. And so finally, one day, I I was leaving a prayer meeting and I felt such a clear thing of where the Lord just said to me, hey, like, what's the worst that can happen here? Like, you, you do it and you don't like it, you take it out, like, no big deal. Like, why don't you try obedience? And I was like, Lord, what? Like, why? Why would you have me do this? And, and he didn't answer until after I got it done. And after I got it done, I asked him, I said, Lord, I said, what is this about? He said, son, I have made you an offense to the spirit of religion. Now here, so that when people meet you, if all they can see is the facial piercing, it will prevent them, they'll be offended, and it will prevent them from being able to receive what I wanna do through you. The offense had to be pushed through. It is the same with the gift on your life. You have to push through. You may be an offense to some people. Don't stop with them, keep going. Don't be discouraged. You may discover that God has gifted you to work with certain type of people and not others. Don't sweat it. Keep moving forward. It matters. Shake the dust off and move on to the next town. And then lastly, don't forget your family. Jesus never forgets Nazareth. And as popular and big as the ministry gets and as effective as it gets, he keeps going back to Nazareth even though they keep rejecting. The Lord wants to save your family too. He wants to save those people that are close and near to you that have rejected thus far, but you need to know that the Lord is hot after them and that the promise is for you and your household that when you got saved, it was a promise that your whole household would get saved. 
And so right now, I want you right now, you and I, we're going to pray for our families. Okay, we're going to start here. I want you to pray that the Lord would touch and transform and save your lost family members. Okay, we're just going to pray out loud 30 seconds here. All right, so everybody in this place, we're going to begin to intercede and pray that God would touch and save our lost loved ones. All right, so Holy Spirit, would you come right now and anoint this time? All right, church, one, two, three, just begin to pray and intercede. Lift up those people. Lord, we lift them up to you today. God, those who you put in our hearts, the ones that we love so dearly but have rejected you thus far, Lord, we're asking for their salvation. God, I pray that you would touch their lives and transform them. That offense would not prevent them from being able to come to know you, Lord, but that your anointing breaks every form of bondage. And so we're asking today that the anointing of Jesus, the favor of God, the mercy of God, the good news of God, the breaking out of bondage, that that stuff would come upon our families, Lord, that they would come to know you, that they would be restored, Lord, that you would transform our families, Lord, in revival as you touch the world, Lord God, don't forget our families. Lord, we pray for salvation to come to our whole households. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Lord, I thank you for each one here that you have anointed, that you've marked, God, and that you come upon them so powerfully. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that these would be days of manifestation. God, that they would experience your gift shining through. God, that they would experience environments, Lord, as they press through, that breakthrough would come. As they press through, that breakthrough would come. Lord, I pray for courage. Lord, that they would push through the adversity. Lord, where there was rejection once, that they wouldn't stop. They would believe the calling and keep going. Thank you, Lord, for that. That there would be great fruit born in this hour of history. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Now, Lord, I bless your people today. The grace of God, the kindness of God, his goodness and mercy be upon you and your household. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he be gracious to you. May his favor and his countenance shine upon you that you would know his goodness and that his shalom, his peace, would be advanced everywhere you go, that his kingdom would rule and reign through your life. I bless you today, church, in Jesus' mighty name. And anybody who dared to agree with that, so. Amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.